You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 27th of June, 2019. The beginning of summer is almost over, which means the whole damn season's almost over. Get out and enjoy yourself while you still can. Um, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beastalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave and I are joined by the one and only Michelle Sinth-Ross, Managing Director of Marketing Operations at Apogee Results. She's going to be joining us in the second and third segments. She's going to be talking about branding and influencer marketing. Uh, before Michelle joins us, um, d- d- is the Googles working for you, Dave? Is the what working for me? Sorry? The Googles. The Googles have the been Googles? broken for some people. <laughs> like, it was every week. Something like some screwy is going on down at, like, uh, in Mountain View. Um, uh, this time, the whole damn thing was broken. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I guess, uh, Joe uh, Youngblood pointed it out yeah. first on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that uh, that didn't go great for him. Now, as it turned out, I, I sort of followed his uh, his thread, and it, it was a bug, you know, as, as you know, it was, it was confirmed. Um, but sort of followed his thread, and once he logged out and logged back in again, it worked. So, really, just just try turning it off and on again. It'll work. Well, okay, yeah. Some people had to log in, log out. Some people had to clear their cache, um, clear yeah. cookies or something, clear web history. Um, no idea what any of that might have been. Um, but Google was its time at the time of last report. And last last thing I read on this was somewhere around um, noon Eastern time. Google was still down for some people. Um, Stephen Fry retweeted a tweet from uh, Simon Heseltine about this. I'm um, just uh, about, about Google's outage. I'm um, just just pulling it up now. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously it impacted it impacted a whole bunch of people. Yeah, and I, it's it's one of those interesting interesting things. It, <clears throat> I feel sorry for Google. It's like you you 
you expect that. And I, I say this every time they have a hiccup like this, um, where it's just like, yeah. And when you do so many things, um, you're going to hit some problems. Now at the same argument for, well, stop doing, um, so many things, just do a few things extremely well. You know, that, that thing that built your company to begin with. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there is an argument for that, but yeah, it, it's not surprising to see a, a few ghosts in the machine, right? Like that's just, that's just the way this comes. And I, I'm glad this was a fairly inert, easily solved sort of problem. And, uh, Hey, you know what? It's basically free advertising for Bing because folks who didn't figure out you just need to log out and log back in again uh, would have had to find a, a quick backup. Which is true. Okay. Um, more about Google taking away, but you know what? Google, Google giveth a whole bunch this week. But one thing they're going to be taking away sometime in 2019 is, um, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Google Hangouts is going to die. We 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 knew Google was going to shelve that when they when they talked about shelving uh, Google Plus. But uh, in shelving Google Hangouts, they also disrupt uh, a number of um, well, I guess things that things that become institutional in various industries, including our own. John Mueller holds his office hours via Google Hangout. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets hun- literally hundreds um, of people who who attend these, and uh, the 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 well, that's going to end again. No idea exactly when the, the the Mueller will continue doing office hours in one format or another, but on Google Hangout he won't be able to because Google Hangout won't exist. And the the way that the thing that's going to seriously affect people is like more than a hundred people can tune in at any given time to a to a Hangout, while every other broadcast uh, or webcast um, option is limited to about a hundred people. Yeah, yeah. It, it is going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, but for folks who might be worrying, hey, we're not going to hear from John again. I, I, admittedly, there's the vast majority of human beings are like, I didn't know that happened. But for those who who were aware, and a lot of those will be our listening audience, um, you know, it, he will be back. They are going to be held, as you know. And they uh, will. He wrote specifically that that the hangouts are important to him. They help him do his job. Yeah. He wants to bring them back again. Yeah. And rightfully so. Um, so okay. where, I know we, we've got to like cover a lot. Where do you want to go from here? Cause we've got like this ton of news and we got Michelle coming up now. Fortunately, we got like a knowledgeable person who can join us. If we have like a few stories remaining. In yeah. Uh, okay. but, uh, where do you want to go now? Search console. Google has been adding and adding and adding to search console. And this is actually kind of cool to talk about Google giving us stuff. Um, the mobile first indexing information, for instance. Mm-hmm. Again, this never happens. Google always takes stuff away. Now they're actually giving us stuff. Um, uh, letting us know when uh, uh, it's kind of an older feature, but they're, they're actually accentuating it. Um, when the uh, dominant uh, uh, keyword key, keyword phrase or term that your search is being searched for changes. Um, so Google is. Uh, it sounds like they're listening to webmasters and giving some stuff while still denying us access to vast swaths of information we used to have. <laughs> yeah, there, there, that is true. I am kind of waiting for that time. Like, I, I've seen the report you're, you're talking about, right? Like, um, you know, query X, um, you know, is now your number one. It has, you know, so many impressions, and that's up, you know, 10% over, over normal, you know, your average week, um, which I think is going to be interesting data. They're trying to sort of 
and then get a little more almost conversational with small business owners, right? Like, I mean, not conversational per se, but, um, you know, sort of going, okay, in the language that you use, here's the core data you're probably looking for at a glance. At the same time, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for them to accentuate the, ooh, what was number one is now number three here's a link to Google ads, right? Like I, I am kind of waiting for that. They've got to have some way to monetize. I mean, I don't think they'll actually be that blatant, but um, I, I, I am sort of half waiting for some sort of tie in because they've been doing a lot of launching into, into Google ads or a lot of pushes into Google ads lately. Um, not just marketing side, but, but a lot of um, enhancements over in Google ads that are really geared towards people who don't really know what they're doing right now. Um, well, indeed. Um, you posted a link to a story about uh, uh, Google adding information about the shopping experience, the shopper's journey into Google ads. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is great. Um, they've got, I, and I haven't actually had a chance to, uh, to play around with it yet. And I've still got it sitting in my inbox is one of my like, take a look at this um, because they've got some, you know, different, different sort of performance plan or, um, you know, sort of models so you can you can you can sort of flow down and, and understand a little more about how changes impact this I, i'm sort of basing it just on their email again i haven't had a chance to, to launch in because they've done a bunch of different stuff right now um and, and this one's sort of like a hey when i have time um but yeah like i think they're they're really focused on bringing in people who don't know a lot maybe don't even have a budget for a manager which is fair enough right like if your budget if you're coming in and going i have 300 dollars a month to give to google you probably shouldn't hire me, you know, to, to do that for you because I'm going to take more than that, right? Like <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense. So it does make sense that they're, they're trying to grab it. And that's a lot of money um, over, over the volume of people that they can be dealing with. Um, but, uh, but I, so I am sort of waiting for a little bit of emerging going back to the, to the original story of you're giving this data over in search console. You, you've got to be able to sort of go, Hey, here's these, these queries that you're almost ranking for. Um, you know, how can we, how can we pull you over into the paid side? Um, so it'll be interesting to see anyway. Well, Google is, you know, they've been doing this for a while too. They are reaching out to small businesses. Um, some suggest they're reaching out to small businesses trying to bypass the webmaster and SEO community. Mm -hmm. um, today, Google um, created a, uh, a new portal for small businesses um, yeah. called, <laughs> oddly enough, Google uh, for small businesses. Um, <laughs> Honestly, goodness, these, these people can't name anything. But I digress. Um, Google for Small Businesses. And uh, in it, Google is helping, um, and, and this, is, this is very much AI-driven, um, but Google's, Google's helping small business owners be their own webmaster. They, you know, um, be their own marketing managers. They, they actually go through processes to, like, create goals and reach the goals. Um, they have in-person workshops and um, they're trying to put you and me out of business, Dave. They have actually got a news service uh, to deliver news to, to, to small business webmasters. They're the worst. They uh, are. Hey, <laughs> trying to kill us here. <laughs> Google, you bastard. Uh, now, fortunately, fortunately, because our show is news on Google, you know, we, we, we might be able to get around that. Might be able to. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll tell you the stuff that they just won't. Um, <laughs> but, but, but this exists. It's, it's I haven't checked it out yet. It actually was just introduced like this morning. Um, it's probably worth it for small business owners to check out. And if you're involved in uh, 
Google My Business if you're you know uh, in, in in trying to capitalize on local search. Um, I honestly don't know if this is going to be beneficial to you or not. I'm betting it will be. Check it out because you should invest the 15 to 20 minutes it takes to, to explore this, this new environment. Uh, what else do we have? We're going to have to take a break. We're moving into about five minutes before we, before we got to take the break. Um, well, we have, you know what? I, I, I've got one. I can throw this yeah. out really, uh, really fast here because coming up uh, the July 5th, for those who yeah. – uh, who are who are off heading to uh, to PubCon in uh, in Vegas uh, for agencies? Uh, you will be judged. You will Holy. be judged. The uh, the call for entries, <laughs> the the last call for entries is on July fifth. Um, so anybody who wants to submit uh, their their project or or their company um, for the U.S. Search Awards, you got until the fifth. And hey, I get to be one of the judges, which is just kind of kind of a little bit awesome. So uh, so let me judge you. There's a freebie for you, Melissa. If uh, anyone's going to the search awards, yes, indeed, you will be judged, but only if you get your entry in by July the 5th. There you go. Um, that's uh, well, what you, I've never been a judge on a, on a U.S. search award. Um, what do you got to do? Do they, do they give you, like, a dossier full of information on various campaigns, and you, you have to, like, try to try figure out which was the most effective? It depends on what section you're in, um, like what sort of groupings, what categories you're you're judging, um, and how many people have submitted. You know, I did some paid ones where there were only three. I did some some other ones, um, you know, consultants where there were you know twelve, fifteen um, entries. And really, a person submits, puts their best put foot forward, depending on whether it's a company, a project, or or an individual, and you have to try and weed through it. And, and figure out which one actually deserves um, the best. You you rank them all on a on a scale of ten on a variety of categories, and then you have a phone call <laughs> with some of the other judges and and talk about you know what you uh, what you sort of tried you know figured out and uh, and what you came up with. So it's a lot of fun. Like I, I love doing it, um, and I actually found some providers while I was judging. Like I'm actually using the services of <laughs> companies um, that I was judging. Um, at the time because I was so impressed with what I saw. So, you know, sometimes I guess you can pick up business. <laughs> you, uh, there you, you go. There. Um, okay. So, so, and then once the results are compiled, um, do you get a crack team of professional um, envelope holders or do you use KPMG or Merv the account <laughs> down the hall? Uh, hold on to these things or? Um, I I don't know how that that's all I do is I just submit and I, I don't know what happens after that until right before um, it, it's coming up I'm I'm handed one of the envelopes because all the judges go in and present one of the awards and I'm handed an envelope and I don't know who's in it <laughs> you know and I'm what? sent up on stage and uh, get to announce them I, 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 as I understand it um, this may or may not be true but I, I've just been informed that it, it's the accounting firm of Ernst and Young is safeguarding uh, your 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 nominees. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to choose to believe that. <laughs> um, okay, there's we got at least we got time for one more story. Where do you want to go with it? Um, you know what? I'll, I'll give a hat tip because because these guys are are just doing uh, doing so much. Um, for anybody who used Yoast SEO, um, which is is probably a, a lot of our audience here. Um, they've been doing update after update after update. They've been doing a, a whack with schema. Well, they've just launched uh, or rolled out 11 uh, version 11.5. Uh, 
um, which updates the mobile snippet preview, which I, you know, I hadn't even really thought of it until they rolled it out. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. Cause we've now got like, you know, favicons and Norfabe. I don't know how you pronounce that. It's like GIF and GIF, right? Like, um, but anyway, you, you've, you've got that, um, you know, added into the preview and stuff to give you a more accurate view of what your page might look like, assuming Google does what you want them to do, um, what your page might look like in the search results. So it's a good one. So everybody should update their uh, their US plugins because there's a there's an added feature um, for uh, for seeing what uh, your title and descriptions are going to look like on uh, mobile if uh, Google pays attention to you and doesn't just decide they know better than the site owner, which drives me nuts. But that's well, a story it, for another day. <laughs> it, it also helps helps you be like absolutely sure that you do have your settings right in your plugins, especially around Yoast. Um, absolutely. Okay, we uh, we have to take a break. I'm really excited. We're coming back with one of my, my favorite people in the industry, Michelle Simpson-Ross. She's now the Managing Director of Marketing Operations at Apogee Results. She's talking about branding, influencer marketing. Stick around. WebmasterRadio.fm. Friends, web apologies back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho's perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 27th of June, 2019. This is Jim Hedge from Digital and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And Dave and I are joined by the one and only, the amazing Michelle Simpson Ross. Uh, she's again Managing Director of Marketing Operations at Apogee Results. We're talking branding and influencer marketing, but most importantly, Michelle, welcome back to Webcology. I am so happy to be back and just blown away by that introduction thing. <laughs> it's been a couple of years. We, 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 we thought we, we, we would make you feel welcome. Yeah, yeah, this appearance is a little more rare than maybe it ought to be. 
oh, we only do we only do 50 of these a year you know like <laughs> um and incidentally this is a good time to say we won't be here next week it's the fourth of july no one's going to be here next week so um uh friends go out and enjoy the sunshine have fun um love your neighbors love each other and drink and be safe but we ain't going to be here um okay michelle what have you been doing lately? You're the marketing operations at Apogee. How, um, what's that mean? So that means I am about 50% brand ambassador and 50% client services. I am still one of the senior strategists on staff, so I still have client work. But at least half the time, I'm going around all over the U.S. speaking about influencer marketing and social media and content and all that good stuff and representing the brand and helping to drive more potential clients to our door. A lot of people don't, um, well, really, I mean, we all know what influencer marketing is, but I think a lot of people don't get how it, how it works. I and mean, they understand the basics. Somebody uh, has I, I a story almost, to tell. I would but, almost argue that we really don't have a good understanding of what influencer marketing actually is. Okay, what is it? So for the most part, anybody that you mentioned influencer marketing on the street, they immediately think Instagram influencer, right? All of those articles where some cute girl hits up a, a pub or a hotel room and they're like, hey, I've got all these followers. Can you give me some free stuff? Um, there's been plenty of articles over the last several years about just that very thing. And that's usually what people think about when they first hear the term influencer marketing. Truth is, influencer marketing is about as old as marketing gets. So if you go way back to like the mid-1700s to King George and Queen Charlotte, actually, um, Josiah Wedgwood was one of the first people to ever use influencer marketing by getting Queen Charlotte to commission some crockery from his shop. That crocker like Wedge, Wedgewood, famous Wedgewood China. Mm-hmm. And is this how Wedgewood China became famous? Yes, that is absolutely how he got his start because um, Charlotte and George were making a concerted effort to use more of their own hometown artisans, their own English artisans, rather than importing stuff from um, the continent. And that was one of the first things that they did. And Josiah Wedgwood was definitely smart enough to say, hey, I just got a royal endorsement. Let's use this to market our stuff. Um, Charlotte commissioned stuff. Eventually, George II commissioned stuff. Uh, Catherine the Great found out about it, decided she also wanted to commission some Wedgwood. And, well, the rest is history. Okay, so by by leveraging the reputation of somebody who's either famous for being well, someone, so, famous for becoming someone, you move your brand forward. So anybody that has cultivated an audience, so this could be somebody who has a social media audience. It could be a thought leader that has a following on Twitter. It could be a journalist. It could be a publication or a podcast or anybody that has cultivated an audience that is relevant to your business could be an influencer for your business. And so from a, from a, a consumer, an information consumer's point of view, pretty much anybody I see on social media might be an influencer. Mm-hmm. Do I know? 
Well, that's the other thing. So if you think about it, obviously somebody, a celebrity spokesperson like Oprah Winfrey is absolutely an influencer, right? No big deal. We, we can figure that out. Um, also, a news article in the New York Times would be influential. Yeah, we, we kind of got that. But on a smaller scale, a article in your local newspaper or on the local news is also influential. And also, think about really super small scale, like micro audiences, your user-generated content that, you know, people taking pictures of themselves in your T-shirt with your logo on it. Um, that's also influencer marketing. Um, link building. Oh, my God. Can I say that word on this show? Link building oh. is influencer marketing. <laughs> of course you can. Link building is just positive acquisition in a way Google wants. I hear it's dead. <laughs> well, you know, much like SEO, it has changed and morphed. So think about it in this way. If I am, uh, let's see, let's say... I'm a local credit union and I get a mention and a link in a industry journal for the financial services that's link building but it's also PR and therefore influencer marketing um, in your business is there a, uh, a conduit to um, I guess uh, influencers in, in, in areas that um that they might not normally be found in, as you said, like, like, like newspapers. So, yeah. So, honestly, I, I look at influencer marketing and anytime I'm working on behalf of a client to do influencer marketing, I'm looking at all their options. Are there um, publications that I want to try and do some link building with? Are there news media outlets that maybe I need to do a little journalist outreach and PR All of that fits into what I'm also doing as far as engaging people in social media to talk about and share about my brand. I did a lot of this uh, a few years ago with a company called Illumide. They make shampoo. Shampoo is really hard to sell, guys, because there's a lot of it out there. We had to work pretty hard to get some fans, some advocates out there kind of operating as ambassadors on the behalf of the brand. But all of that's influencer marketing. Okay. Um, how, what's the most effective venue to um, push messages through for, um, for, for a, a shampoo brand? For a shampoo brand? Um, specifically, well, it, it, I would start with social Um, But I would still have a mix of, say, social and blogs. For this particular hair care brand, there were a lot of scientific terms. There There was some things that made this shampoo a little bit unusual and required some customer education. So we needed both the long form education pieces in blog or article form, plus the social media advocacy. We got a lot of really good traction. And like I said, this was a few years ago. Um, on Instagram, but it's a hair care brand. It's a personal product. There is definitely a sense of fashion and how I look and feel when I'm using this product. And certainly Instagram's a fit for that. Okay. Um, how, I mean, you're right. People don't understand influence marketing. How detailed is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, I mean, I know, I know every case is different, so I'm having a hard time phrasing a very general question, <laughs> but 
know, how detailed is a, uh, what would be an average influence marketing plan? Well, let's, let's talk about it from the influencer side for a moment, because there's a great need for a level of maturity and professionalism that still isn't quite there in the influencer space. So I think about it much the same way I thought about social media marketing in general 10 years ago. If you remember when we first started doing things in Twitter and Facebook, we had a lot of clients that would ask us, yeah, is this really a thing or is it just a fad that's going to go away? Is this something that I really need to be worried about? And hello, 10 years later, we're we're very seriously spending billions of dollars in social media advertising and advocacy and now influencer marketing. But Again, the channel, if I can call it that, is maturing. And one of the things that from the influencer side, they need to understand is that they can no longer craft their rate sheets around how big their audience is or how engaged it is. Honestly, that type of stuff is just a qualifier. That just gets them to the brand's door where the brand says, yeah, you've got enough following, you've got enough legitimate engagement with real people and not bots that I want to consider working with you. But what I'm going to pay you for are the deliverables that we agree to through the contracting process. Things that would be influencer deliverables would be how many posts, what kind of posts, um, tagging, using hashtags, How often am I going to mention? How engaged is the influencer going to be in the subsequent conversation? So are they following up their posts and actually engaging with comments and things left on them? Are they going to engage with the brand posts that also go along with this campaign? And most importantly, what are they going to report back? Because as an influencer, I cannot as a brand log into your profiles and see your reporting data, I need for you to report that back to me. So those are the things that we're beginning to write influencer contracts around, not the engagement or audience size, but the deliverables. Now you're talking about, I mean, we've we've got a bunch of stuff and it's funny because I kind of had a question and I didn't know how to frame it. And then, and then you basically set up the framework of the next question that I'm going to ask. So so thanks for (laughs) making my job a little bit easier. You talked about tagging, you talked about deliverables, and you talked about measurables, which all three of these things are critical for marketing, right? Like this is mm-hmm. what we, we base our entire thing on. How has, and I mean, they've just news about the app and Instagram and shopping, shopping there. We can tag products. And I mean, you know, all these things that, that you know about. But how have sort of the, the proliferation of shopping directly through, um, you know, some of these mediums, um, you know, and, and, and sort of the ability to directly or more directly monetize or attribute a monetization to that social network and, and to a specific post. How do you think that, I mean, it's, it's pretty young in its evolution now, but do you think that's going to be a big impact? Will we start being able to look at a, okay, well, this post went up here. Let's look at the, at the cost per acquisition <laughs> for, for, from that post, or is it always going to be about influence and a transaction happens elsewhere? Or, or, or do you think the measurables are starting to blur where we can, tag products, shop online, right? Like, and, and actually start putting a direct number, you know, this one made on top of any, you know, influence that we got out of this, it actually made us 5,000 bucks and, and we only spent four on it. So, you know, the rest is a bonus. And, and, and so it was great, right? Like, well, it, do, you, do you think we're going to see more of that? 
I don't know. I, some of it to me still feels like the general user of social media, although the capacity to click on something and buy it right there in Instagram or whatever is there, the general user is still not adopting it. Um, so that's part of it. Yeah, there probably are some very, very, very specific use cases where people have become accustomed to buying from that brand in that channel, but I really don't see it as happening that way yet. Um, social media in particular is still very top of the funnel. This is just to drive awareness. But if I'm smart about it and I've negotiated well with my influencer, certainly I should be paying attention to how much traffic has been driven to a particular landing page associated with that influencer campaign and how many of those people filled out a form and how many of the, or how big my, um, cookie pool became. So think about it this way. If, if I'm engaging with somebody that is influential on Instagram and they have a link in their bio that sends them to a particular page, then if I'm smart, I've got all of my social media cookies set up on my website and I know that that Instagram traffic, although that's really rare, guys, Instagram was not meant for click through. <laughs> Let me just make that perfectly clear. But for the rare few that do, I can begin between the cookies and pixels that I've set up and my analytics tracking to figure out how much was the audience really worth coming in from that particular influence influencer. Yeah, it is really right. hard to measure efficacy um, and, and uh, by sales. Is there... Um... I wouldn't measure sales. So one of the things at, from the brand side, okay, we talked about deliverables for yeah. um, the influencer. Well, I have a lot of brands going, ooh, okay, now I get it. I understand a little bit more about um, influencer marketing, but how do I measure that? A lot of what I usually talk about is, okay, Technically, influencer marketing is a brand awareness play. That is the term that we've been using forever and ever and ever in our marketing. But I've kind of changed my terminology to help them better understand that what we're measuring is audience acquisition. How much bigger did my email list grow? How much bigger did my retargeting pool on Facebook grow? How much bigger did my Google retargeting pool grow? because of the efforts that I'm making with an influencer. Okay, so you can, you can measure how an influencer uh, worked with you on a campaign that you've, you've worked with her or him on. Um, how do you find these people in the first place? How do you, like, you know, know that this person is going to be useful on your campaign or that they're just like a joyrider? Okay, to be absolutely honest with you, I still do it old school and absolutely stalk them. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will be completely honest with that because I want to see is the following that they have, is that genuine or is that a whole bunch of bots? Are the people or I should say accounts engaging with them, are those real or are they bots? Do they come from possibly click farms overseas where that's great, I'm glad it got a whole lot of likes and shares, but none of it is really useful to me here in the U.S. This so I have to the time do. actually engaging with it. This, this is what baseball scouts do, what hockey scouts do, what uh, 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 
you know, people, people, people watch performance athletes to learn everything they possibly can about that athlete and determine whether they'd be a good mix with their team or not. And honest to goodness, Michelle, it sounds like essentially you're doing a similar thing. I am. We are. Um, and, and that's really the best way to go about it. Now, I've had a lot of um, people in like my master classes and clients go, but yeah, isn't there a fast way around that research? Can't I go to, you know, an influencer marketplace and kind of have to not spend all that time? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> can, but are you really getting your money's worth out of it? Here's well, the beautiful thing. Once you've identified a good potential influencer and you've started that engagement, you can continue to go back to that well over and over again because guess what? Even though you've run a campaign with them, their audience doesn't go away. They're still writing. They're still creating videos. They're still doing whatever got your attention in the first place for an audience that really does love and care about what they have to say. Why would you only do a one and done with any influencer that you've put that much time and effort into? This this, this 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 may be a stupid question, and I, I apologize for my own naivete. But you know, the older I get, the more I got. Um, do these guys, do, do people make money doing this? Yes, absolutely, they do. Um, and they make like, and and if you're good at it, you can actually make a living. Certainly. Um, before all of the things went south with the um, college admittance scheme, um, Aunt Becky's real life daughters were doing really, really well with influencer marketing on Instagram. Sephora and um, yeah, Tresemme weren't so happy about how that worked out. Oh yeah, I could imagine. So um, maintaining one's <laughs> reputation is, is, is clearly important. Um, right. uh, so, so influencers are basically, um, it almost seems like a combination between MicroStar and well, for want of a better term, personal ad agency a brand a brand in and of themselves Mm -hmm. they are they've done a lot of hard work to build up recognition around their name and who they are and what they stand for it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because 10 years ago oh my god i can't believe i've been doing this this long um 10 years ago when i really started full-time in the industry one of the things I first started talking about was how do you build that personal brand? How do you become you, whoever you are, in a way that's recognizable? That now my skill set, my knowledge base, all of those things become assets for me when I'm online, when I'm offline, you know, whatever I happen to say or do. Um, Oddly enough, I happen to also be a fiction writer and I started very early on considering how was I going to be known online? What was the name that was going to be printed on my book cover? That was important. That was a brand. And I have spent the last 10 years building a knowledge base around myself and my name. And so have a whole lot of other influencers. It's a lot of hard work to do this. And some of us have been doing it for a very long time. Yes, that's worth something. A memo to self. Get Michelle to talk to Darren and Brandy on behalf of Dave and Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want Dave, I heard you about to ask a question. I'm so sorry, man, but it's uh, we we gotta take a break. We're we're, wow. we're 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 right at that time. So um 
if, 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 if I could just beg patience. Friends, you are listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We're having a really fun conversation. I don't want to take this break, but we kind of got to, so we're going to be taking a break uh, to play a few commercial messages. On behalf of Dave Davis from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hatcher from Digital Ways Media. Michelle Stinson Ross from Apogee Search and Results is our guest. And stick around, Webmaster Radio. Webcology is back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte. You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim. Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. It passes before it's noticed a slight. Rising of the eyebrows. A widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart as a beat. Like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed. But not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with Brian Massey and his guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedConsequencesPodcast.com and find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm. Moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back back to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Friends, you are listening to one of the only podcasts in the world that is recorded live to podcast. Today is the 27th of June, 
2019. Summer's almost over and it's hardly even begun. So get out there and enjoy yourself. We are rolling into a continent-wide series of long weekends for Canada. Canada Day is uh, Monday. So happy Canada Day. And for America, uh, July the 4th is next Thursday. Um, happy 4th of July. Uh, in case I forget to say at the end, be responsible, friends. Enjoy yourselves, but don't be stupid. Okay, we got Michelle Stinson-Ross from Apogee Search and Results. We're talking about uh, influence mar influencer marketing and branding. And Dave, I'm so sorry, bro. I had to cut you off because we had to go to break. Um, I, I, I'm going to just throw one straight to you. Yeah, that wouldn't excuse. We need to pay our bills. Come on. <laughs> I know, eh? Marketing, <laughs> eh? Jeez. <laughs> um, okay, all right. It's like we, we've talked a lot about some of the specifics and, and – you know, we're talking about the influencers, which is, is obviously one thing. Something we touched on but haven't really covered, and, and I think it's, it's critical for, for business owners, is talking about having to make that decision on medium or, or location. Like, you, you've got your influencer and, and you're looking for them, but to me anyway, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because this is your field, not mine, clearly. Um, but first, the, the first step, I would think, as, as a business owner is figuring out, okay, where? should should the influencer be how do you make that decision they may be in multiple places they may be hidden gems how do you make those first decisions to decide what place is it is it going to be instagram is it going to be twitter is it going to be a an in-depth article on on blog x how do you start making those those initial decisions before trying to find who's the best person in that area right okay i always go back to what are your business goals and where are your potential customers? So if your business goal is to drive more awareness for your, let's see, let me, let me come up with an example. Um, let's say you're a local opera company. I happen to work with the Austin <laughs> Opera here. They are one of our um, nonprofit pro bono clients that we work with. And I want to drive ticket sales to the opera this fall, right? Mm -hmm. That's my business goal. Well, who's my audience? It would be people who like classical music and opera, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, as I start to dig into my own audience building for the brand in like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I really start to understand, especially using, again, my tracking pixels with social so I can see what what's the audience makeup that comes from Facebook and visits my page. What do they look like? How many of them are there? That sort of thing. I can begin to understand that for the Austin Opera, my crowd's a little older, so they're probably on Facebook more than they are on Instagram. Now, um, this client would really love it if I would get more action on Instagram, but for whatever reason, the younger demographics haven't quite gained that information for opera just yet. <laughs> we do some work in Instagram as well and on Twitter, but you know what? We have to let our audience tell us, hey, this is where we really like to engage with you about this content. So I know where my audiences are. I know where my potential um, opera ticket buyers are who out there and again this is local right this is just the Austin Opera Company I'm not talking about you know the National Opera Company based in Washington DC or the Metropolitan Opera in New York where people will travel from all over the world to see your performance 
Um, I'm just talking about the lo- local Austin opera. Um, who talks about arts and culture here in Austin? They may be on Twitter. They may be on Instagram. They may be on Facebook. They may have a whole stack of things. I recently found an influencer that we want to start kind of nudging in our direction this fall that she has a blog that she's just recently started. So she writes long form content as well as she tweets. So if I want to work with that particular influencer because she talks about local Austin arts and culture, she is a topic fit as well as her audience is already inclined to be interested in what the Austin opera does, then I have to evaluate, um, Am I going to have her write a blog post that we then share on Facebook and go that route? Do I want her to maybe come to a performance and do some live tweeting, maybe do some live Instagram or Twitter video? There's there's a lot of options there. And sometimes it comes down to, first of all, is the influencer that I've identified as a good fit, are they really interested in working with me? Because there's a lot of odd times when you think you've got that right one and they go, yeah, no, it's really not the right time for me. And it could could very well be that it has absolutely nothing to do with you as a brand, but that say that mommy blogger is six months into her pregnancy and she knows that, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be working that hard for the, for the last trimester. Mm-hmm. Again, not anything to do with your brand, but if you really want that mommy blogger, you're going to have to wait until after she's had her baby and she's ready to actually talk to you. So planning is everything clearly. Certainly. But just because you get a rejection from an influencer doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't the right fit, but that it may just not have been the right time. What, what do you do? I mean, like a lot of this sounds like it's, it's very up to the minute live time, like event oriented. So um, what do you do if things start going south or pear shaped with your influencer? That is one thing that you have to be prepared for before you start an influencer marketing program. We can we can go back to the example I gave before the break with Sephora and Tresemme finding themselves in a situation where they are now associated with somebody that benefited from the college admittance scheme. That stuff was illegal. Uh, they didn't like it. So here's part of the deal. Yes, you're going to expand the potential audience. You're going to get inroads for your brand with people who are already qualified and interested, and you're going to get help to do it. The trade-off here is that you do, to a degree, put your brand at risk for whatever shenanigans that influencer might get up to later on. Um There was also a story not too long ago about a makeup YouTuber that was a little too aggressive on the red carpet at the Met Gala, and he lost millions of subscribers to his YouTube channel practically overnight because somebody called him out for it. There are going to be times when everything just seemed to be rocking along and something happened. You need to be prepared in advance for the reputation management issue that you inherently put yourself up for when you start engaging with influencers, because basically you've put a small chunk of your brand in somebody else's hands. You have to be prepared for when it's going to go wrong because sooner or later it will. (laughs) Yeah. 
I guess, okay, there's two directions. Like, I had a question I want to ask, and then, and then, then of course, I want to go to, to damage control. But um, let's, 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 I'm going to go the, the, the question I, I already, like, wanted to ask, and then I, I want to circle back to, like, how do you deal with damage control? Because I want to make sure we have time for this. Um, you have a product launch. Let's, let's say you're, you're, you're just in your, you know, Hey, we, we've got a new, a new, a new product. I'm thinking of this right now because I'm looking at keyboards and I can see all the like influencers that they've touched with to get this keyboard and people's specific mm -hmm. keyboard into people's hands. I'm like, ah, okay, you've gone with like tech bloggers, right? Like it makes perfect sense. Um, in that case, how far out when you're readying to launch a new, a new product, right? You, you, you probably want to get the influencers talking about it. Maybe I'm wrong, but in some cases ahead of the game, right? Like let's get these betas in, in their hands and stuff. How far out with, with some products? Like, and I mean, you can list specific examples in, in, in specific areas because it'd be different. How far out should you be thinking of, of gathering together your influencers, figuring out the mar, they, uh, you know, who they are and, and sort of allowing them that time to deal with what they have to deal with if you want to have sort of your product spun um, before a launch? Sure. Um, like sort of how, what, what's that lead time? Well, I, I think about it this way. How, how soon do you need to be starting any marketing for whatever it is you're launching? <laughs> oh, <laughs> With, yesterday. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> never sooner enough. So for, let's say it's a VC funded type thing and you've got a concept and you're trying to get the funding for it, all that kind of stuff. You should be marketing from day one because the first audience you're marketing to is other investors, right? You're going to have to get some capital in order to, develop that product. So if you should be marketing from day one, you should also be looking for what potential influencers. Now, am I going to reach out to them and engage with them before I have even a prototype or, you know, the first version of a product to put in their hands? Eh, no, I, I'm not going to go just great guns into that, but I can certainly spend the time researching who who would be a good influencer? How do I create that first influencer list and how do I prioritize it? Who's going to be the first one to actually put their hands on my really slick, cool new um, keyboard? Those sorts of things. Also, I would say that for particularly for product launches, obviously, if the product is particularly complicated and needs a lot of explaining or a lot of education to go along with it, that's going to require a longer lead time. Also, pricier items. So for shampoo, eh, you know, it's, it's something that everybody buys and I don't really need an awful lot of lead time to kind of keep that going. Of course, once I've got it going, I, I want to keep it going because people are always buying shampoo. But it's technically a low cost point product for higher end products. It's going to take some more time. It may take somebody with a bit more leverage. Why do you think Nike uses celebrity spokespersons? Right. Well, now, or, but, sorry, but, go ahead, Jim. Well, we're so close to the end. I just wanted to add to, to Michelle's, Michelle's thought. Think of how much effort it took to get the Kiwi water girl on the red carpet at the Oscars. <laughs> that, I'm that's the closing music. Um, Michelle, we can invite you. We, we have a million more questions. We want to keep on talking to you. We have a million more questions. We can invite you back anytime. But if somebody wanted to ask you a question in person, where will they see you next? I will be at several digital summit and internet marketing summits this fall. I am also always available online. Basically, just search Michelle Stinson Ross on Google and you'll find all of the socials. Or visit me at the Apogee Results website, apogeeresults.com. 
Hey, there you are, friends. Michelle, Michelle says, Ross, thank you for joining us. Remember, the U.S. Search Awards uh, deadline coming up on July the 5th. Uh, Michelle will speak on your behalf. I'm pretty sure you can arrange that. Um, <laughs> anyway, friends, you have been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 27th of June, 2019. We're not here next week. It's the 4th of July, so all next week, friends. Stay safe. Have fun. Um, don't do anything terribly stupid and if you do do it safely be well we will talk to you next we will talk to you two weeks from now the opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsor. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere.